the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Hey, this is Dr. Mark, and I'm here with Larry Jones, and we are Healthcare Now. Larry, welcome. How you doing today? Hey, Dr. Mark. Doing well. Oh, man, we've got a great show planned today. It got a is lot to talk about. Medicare Palooza. Yes. You know, and yes. I think Medicare, is, we spend a lot of time on Medicare, but it's important because it's such a huge part well, of our medical system. It represents a fourth of all healthcare dollars in the U.S. And there's always news, Larry, and, and there's growing. always something going on, you know. Yeah. And I know a lot of our listeners, uh, they, they really enjoy when we talk about the the bones of what needs to be done. Yes. We're going to talk about a few different things today. We're we going to are. talk a little bit about one of the uh, major companies and what their profits are going to be. Yep. And we're going to look yep. at, at how Medicare looks at their very expensive patients, if you will. They're, exactly. they're high, high dollar folks. And, you know, we're also going to talk about some of the new enrollment periods. Yes. So I don't know if we'll get through that all in the next uh, dozen minutes or so, mm-hmm. but uh, we can get started. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting. Let me go back and, and just mention, you know, uh, Medicare is over a trillion dollars in cost today. Yep. And that's on $63 million lives right meaning beneficiaries right and that that's based in the same time frame that we're spending about four trillion that's in, in health last year yeah that's mm-hmm. it and and it's expected in the next five years that that health care four trillion dollars is going to increase 50 percent yep Martin. yep there was a little there was a little kickback that maybe yep. it'll come down that maybe that that well, estimate it was, was a little projected high. to be eight trillion by 2030 right and now it's projected to be 6.8 trillion by 2028 you know the, a couple of trillions more than a round what's error. a trillion, I mean, here, what's a trillion, trillion exactly <laughs> you know what larry what is a trillion i don't, I don't even I can't know. even fathom yeah. can't even fathom yeah. but let me let me kind of hit into this and we can have a really good discussion on this sure the second largest Medicare provider in the country, which is Humana, Humana United Healthcare United. is number yep. uh-huh. one. They had quarterly profits in the first quarter of this year of nearly a billion dollars. So they're looking at a $4 billion year. That's right. Incredible. This is net That's income, Dr. Mark. And, and this is Medicare, which is in financial distress. Projected to be... Uh, insolvent by 2026. Right, right around the corner. Yeah. But so, really, wow. so my question is, how do we allow companies like this to make billions of dollars in net profit? Now, remember, that's after claims paid, after administrative costs, and after in the Medicare world, and we'll talk about this in a minute, how MSOs managed service organizations who take the bulk of the risk of these lives make their piece. Right. And their piece could be as much as 20% of the total health care dollar. What do they do with that $4 billion? 
You know, what is I mean, Humana do? Yeah, what do they do? Well, they, do provide they, a, they provide a network. They provide the license. Oh, yeah. No, but yeah, this is the yeah. $4 billion a year in the year. Yeah. So they're going to have yeah. $4 billion in profit this year. In net profit. They give it and, to shareholders, and, a and, public yeah, exactly. company. Right. That's right. right. So, so that's how they raise the value of their shares. Because yep. you have yep. to see what's the motivation because the money's not going directly into an executive's pocket, although plenty of money did. Right. And, and at the end of the year, they've got – that much to distribute, which raises the value of their stock price, yeah, which raises yeah. the value of their company. And, you know, it's great. I, I get it. I completely get it. As in any other place sure. except in medicine. Taxpayers' except dollars. Except in Medicare. Right. I mean, you know. Yeah. It, that we're not even talking the commercial sector here, Dr. Mark. We're talking Medicare. No, we're, we're Taxpayers talking. Taxpayers' dollars. Exactly. Taxpayers' That's dollars right. Right. going into a system and coming out yeah. as Profit for a company to raise its value, a right. private company to raise its value. Well, not a private company, a publicly yeah, traded publicly company. Publicly traded company. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. The, I think three things let me hit on here and we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Their earnings were actually up 12% over same quarter prior year. And their revenue rose 16% during the first three months of the year to $24 billion in revenue. See, now, I, th- we're I talking thought COVID put us all out of business. Exactly. And that's that's a four billion dollar increase in revenue over the same quarter in twenty twenty one. Wow. Yep. And then on top of that, it's projected that their membership is gonna increase five point one million lives, which represents five point two percent increase, and it's gonna grow this year, twenty twenty two, up to two hundred thousand new human lives. Wow. So next year we're looking at first quarter even more than a, a billion. billion and a half. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. And if you recall, we've talked about how the Medicare system between 2022 and 2030 is going to increase 2 million Medicare beneficiary lives right. at, Every, that age into age 65 each year between now and 2030. Right. And and can, and keep going on. I mean, it's not, it's yeah. not going to stop. Yeah. No, it's not going to yeah. stop. And just to be clear, I mean, we're talking about Humana today, which is the number two company. Correct. And we do. We bounce around. We talked about United yep. last time. Yep. And it really is based on you know what the news feed is and what the reports are but we're, we'll equally talk about all of these companies yes. and there's not a single one that doesn't have this kind of That's story right. That's right. which goes back to our baseline argument is why is it okay to create such profit in healthcare when we've accepted that healthcare is different from just regular business and that the medicare trust funds running out exactly that's I mean, that's how, the issue. How but, far will those billions go exactly. to back up that oh, that trust fund? And and you're talking about health equity, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes with sure. the CMS mandates. But I think the issue is that, and and we did talk about uh, United's mm-hmm. profits last right. week. They made seventeen billion dollars in profit last year. Right. Humana's right. on a four billion dollar roll. Yep. Yep. No. And, that's, yeah, but exactly. again, United is not just Medicare either. They've no, got no, no. They've multiple. got multiple. Yeah, that Humana yeah. is only Medicare. Exactly, exactly. So they're taking four billion dollars out of the Medicare system that would go to pay for care, mm-hmm. over and above what the MSOs take out. Right. Their piece, and the way that yeah. works, and everybody's getting paid. Yeah, that's right. The way that works normally in a contract with an MSO, and let's kind of just hit yeah, on this briefly that, sure. on the high level. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Humana will contract at about 84, 85% of the total premium dollar for an MSO. So when they get they, 100 bucks, the MSO is going to get, yeah, the they're MSO, keep the, ex, but the, the service MSO fund for the MSO gets 84 of those dollars right. to take care of patients. Mm-hmm. Humana gets 15 or 16 of those dollars 
to do nothing but administrative care. Right. And they're and they at, have no risk. No risk. Right. But yet the MSOs are at risk. Right. So if the MSOs That's spend $112, then they have to they pay that balance That's right. into Humana. They have to offset that with their own income. Right. That's right. right. So so no risk on the Humana side. And yet they're they're driving down a billion dollars a quarter every 90 days, Dr. Mark. And you know that they set the number, I mean because Humana and all the companies <laughs> have actuarials that are setting the number, they are unlikely to be wrong up or down. They're, right. they're, That's they're right. pretty darn close to the, that $84. Well, the cost is fixed. It is. The well, I mean, the, I mean, even on the risk. Yeah. In the but, risk. but the only variable in that risk cost mm-hmm. would be if the Medicare risk adjustment scores, in other words, the the, the uh, yeah, how, how sick chronic, the patients are. That's right. Mm-hmm. If that adjusts, what that means is Medic Humana gets more money, and to then they pay share down to the MSO. Right, but they still, but they do it's that same the percentage 14, ratio. Yeah, sure. that's right. The eighty four sixteen. Yep, yep. But let me just Man, say, it's a great business. Can we do this, Larry? I'm telling you, we need to get into this business. Humana attributed the overall financial performance to quote lower administrative expenses and a strong showing from its pharmacy. Come on, Doctor Mark. I'm not lower. Admi- <laughs> is that actually a term? It's not a complete oxymoron kind of term. Lower exactly. administrative. Exactly. I don't know. They, yep. Maybe they fired their president. I'm pretty sure they didn't. Man, that's incredible. Well, those are huge <clears throat> numbers. But I think the point that we're trying to make isn't even how big the numbers is right. are. But we're looking at a system that's in financial distress. Yeah, the Medicare Trust Fund. Medicare Trust Fund. And we're seeing the companies that essentially control all the money that come out of that trust fund and looking at the billions upon billions of dollars that they're pumping back into their own system. Right. And that would be the answer to fixing Medicare. Yeah. Well, let me throw one more caveat in here that uh, may, may get you going a little bit. Okay. Humana and Medicare only cover 80% of the healthcare dollar. If you're a Medicare, straight Medicare person, you take out a supplement policy at a couple hundred dollars a month to cover the other 20%. Or you got to pay it out of your pocket. And Humana sells those policies to straight Medicare lives as well as has their own Medicare Advantage plan. Yep. Yeah, and that's but that's probably all part of that their yeah. earnings, right? That's part of that billion. It is. Yeah. It is. It but is. you're right. If if you don't have that product, it comes out of your pocket. So that's yeah. not even covering a hundred percent of the of yeah. the pot. It's incredible. I just I guess I just don't understand. Here we're talking about. If you remember last week, we talked about a three point six percent increase. Right. That, met, that CMS, meaning the Centers for Medicare Medicaid, that that runs the Medicare and Medicaid program in this country, is giving the hospitals. A $1.7 billion increase. Nice. They're turning around and they're giving a 2.9% increase to the Medicare Advantage plans. Right. So, and yet they're looking at these companies already making billions of dollars in profits. Right. What's wrong with this program, Dr. Mark? Well, I don't think it's a, there's not a bipartisan effort to save Medicare. And I think that when it gets down to it, we have to, when we look at things that, that are business yep. and they don't make any sense, there's got to be some external factor that's yeah. throwing people off, and that's what it is. So if we have a push, do we want to save Medicare? I mean, what what is our option if we don't? Are we well, going to break the entire system? A fifth of the country is in Medicare today. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, we talk about 
socialized medicine, which would essentially be right. looking at yeah. Medicare at a hundred percent coverage level, right? Right. right? And you know, we we push away from that idea pretty strongly. Yet that one piece that looks like socialized but medicine is But all our government programs are single-payer systems anyway. Right, right. Medicare, so, Medicaid, Children's Health Insurance Plan. Yep. They're all uh, the government-funded, the VA. Right. It's all single-payer programs. Right. So what I'm getting at is mm-hmm. the terminology becomes what's important. I mean, our, we're already in some type of socialized system but the big out is the companies that are managing it are making billions of dollars, yeah. and the only way they can make more is to wreck the government side of the system yeah. and yeah. be able to keep it and say, you know what? Yeah. We can manage this much better than CMS. Yeah. Let's just do it on our own in the free market right. and, and kind of run it that way. Well, if if you remember, in January, the Part B premium went from 148 to 170 right. a twenty uh, what a 15.6% increase. Right. And the supplements and the Part D programs are now, you're paying nearly $100 a month for a Part D, meaning yes. pharmacy, and you're paying well over $200 for a Part a B supplement program. And that, remember that estimate, We have to, it seems like we have yeah. to get back to Aldehelm every time we talk on a show, yep. and that was an $11 increase right. just for that drug right. that isn't even being used, yeah. Larry. We'll keep talking about Medicare yeah, as we come back, Dr. Absolutely. Mark. Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to talk about those other okay. topics and see how Medicare Advantage carriers pay a lot of money for some yep. patients. It just, you know, I think, and we have another second or two, I just don't understand why our legislature and the MedPAC and CMS don't understand there is money to be saved in this program that will lower the cost of health care. We'll answer that when we come back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Hey, this is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and this is Healthcare Now from the Healthcare Now studios. So last section, we talked a little about about Humana's profits. I'm really yes. feeling rough on them. Yes. I'm, I'm also going to check with my stock side and see if maybe I should maybe be investing. Some Humana stock? I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I mean, with that announcement, yeah. what do you yeah. think the stock did? We need to look into that. We do. Absolutely. Yeah. But let's jump on to the Although next topic. Although I will tell yeah. you, I've, uh-huh. I've kind of monitored that. Yep. Humana's stock has not jumped even with that announcement, even with those kind of things, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that I guess that it, it isn't new news. It would only be news if they weren't making a billion dollars. That's right. Quarter, then it would so go down. Be a problem. That's yep. right. That's no. right. 
Yeah, that is something. You know, we don't – you and I don't talk much about the stock market. And, no, we and, don't. And it really – there is an interplay that we could touch touch yes. on. And I'll, I think we'll, uh, we'll spend a little time in future shows kind of linking okay. those two together because uh, where does the money go? And you said it and, goes and into think, the distribution. And I think we can have a discussion on the stock market and health care. Sure companies yes. that are publicly traded. Oh, because they're huge. That would be a great huge conversation, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Mark. We can do that. Put, yeah. put a okay. pin in that one. All right. All right. So Medicare Advantage carriers see big money in covering the costliest patients. Yeah. How, that doesn't seem to make sense, Larry. What are they trying to say? Yeah. What we're talking about here is there has been a 19% increase in enrollment on what they call dual eligible special needs programs. Gotcha. And these are Medicare, Medicaid, dual yes. eligible members, yep. as you know. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of them in your right. day, Dr. Mark. Right. But the growth has been tremendous. And yet uh, these 19% of the Medicare population in duals mm-hmm. actually account for 35% of the total dollars. The 19 – oh, really? Yes. Wow. So is – is that because some of those dollars are state dollars? I mean, because we're getting money in the well, Medicaid side. Well, there is a side. supplement on the – but we're talking right. straight Medicare, not Medicaid. Okay. But the the 19% of the Medicare population that is what they call the DSNP, D special needs plan, okay. represents 35% of the total dollars or almost $280 billion. Wow. Now, how do they qualify? What are, how do the patients qualify for this? Income. Income? It's all income. Okay. So and, and it also can be. So it's be, not medical It need. can be if uh-huh. you're completely disabled. Gotcha. And, of course, if you're completely disabled, you're probably at a lower income anyway. So. Right. Gotcha. You gotcha. Would, you would qualify for the Medicare, Medicaid program. In fact, just to give you an idea, on our programs in Medicare, Dr. Mark, probably about 18% of our membership in Medicare is duals, which is pretty standard with the Nineteen percent that they're talking about here in this. Gotcha. Article. So that makes sense, but yeah. but that is a big dollar amount. I mean, it is. So, so what is what does the expenditure look like for those folks compared to how much money they're bringing yeah. in? Well, I mean, they're they're expecting not only they're going to increase the offerings to these uh, special needs people ten percent. They're expecting a sixteen percent increase, sixteen point four percent increase a year in their income in their cost. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And well, and there is also an in here it talks about who are the top five companies that represent fifty percent of the entire SNF population in America. Okay. And Explain what SNF is. Okay. Again, yep. yeah, the, uh, the dual enrolled special need plan. Right. M- meaning people that are both qualify for Medicare and Medicaid. Gotcha. And see, you can qualify for Medicare at a young age if you're disabled. Right. So, and that's what I was getting yeah. at in the beginning is some are that's some right. of those monies, the Medicaid monies are coming from the state budget. Yeah, there's an appropriation there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Got you. So, yeah, so we've got the, uh, the top five companies. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this is in the top three, it's neither Humana nor United. That's right. Not, now, Humana's on the list. They're number four. Humana's number but four. But I would have thought the number one and two, it would yeah. have gone. So is this an area of business that just is, is it a specialty that these companies do better or worse at or have more confidence well, in? some Medicare plans that offer Medicare programs don't even offer a special needs plan. So they exclude those, yeah. those yeah. folks. Yeah. United, uh, I think in this market, I'm not even sure they have a special needs program. 
But well, Centene I mean, does. Centene does. Yeah, yeah. CVS Health. Yep. Which is Centene's at, the yeah. largest ranked uh, based on the number of lives. Right. And CVS Health, which is Aetna. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. and, so that's not new. That's not right. not a new company came there. I'm sure yeah. Aetna's been involved yeah. in that market for a long time. But now it's not just Aetna on CVS, Doctor Mark. CVS has a special needs program of their own under their Active Health Management Program. Which is separate from Aetna. Now, did that exist before no. they acquired Aetna? They just started it last. Yeah, it existed before. Right. And but but just recently, they went to CMS and said, "Give us your highest cost members, and let's see what we can do to help manage them." Right. But and that's what but, Active Health. And, and did. that sounds ridiculous. However, yeah. if you're a highest cost member, you know it, it's just like that risk analysis. That's right. Where they're getting more money. To cover those, that's right, and and they have more potential to save. Yeah, so and they've it's got not the a lot. Assets. It sounds like a, an, yeah. an investment you wouldn't make, but it's well, that's quite the opposite. But but when you think about the assets that CVS Health has, they right. have their minute clinics. Yes, they have their pharmacy. Mm-hmm. They have their CareMark, right, which is their. Uh, uh, and, and they're and they're just consumer things. Yeah. You walk in the door, all the things that you yeah. can purchase yeah. because yeah. you're in their area. Yeah, CareMark's their infusion therapy, right, and all that. So they've got and they've got Aetna. Mm-hmm. So when you add all these assets together, they can control a large percentage of the cost of, of high risk patients. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So at the end of the day, they're not really saving CMS any money flow, but they are right. coming in, they're taking yeah. some risk, but they can yeah. mitigate that risk yeah. by having, having control over right. it. And of the 63 million Medicare lives in America today, over 4 million of them are considered special needs. Gotcha. And now well, tell me about bright mm-hmm. health. Okay, Bright Health is kind of new to Florida. Uh-huh. They're they're really not a big factor. They did do an, a relationship with Orlando Health here in uh, Central Florida, right? But they're just really coming into the market. And but nationwide, only, they're pretty active because I mean they're they're number yeah, they're, three on this list, yeah, right? They're very active up right. north and in the in the in the California area. I'd be interested to see if if they account. For, I mean, is this yeah. a big part of their business plan? Is to work with yeah. these special needs well, patients? Well, actually, Bright Health's one of their big. Uh, Business plans is Medicare ACO, uh, right. Accountable, yeah, care, Accountable organization. care Organization. That's huge. They're coming into this market. Gotcha. Offering gotcha. that to providers. So they're looking at sort of special entrees into this Medicare piece. Yes. Yes. And working it that yes. way. And then Humana, this is just part and parcel to all the things they do. Yes. And then last is uh, another big local player, mm-hmm. Health First. Yes. And so Health, Health First, you know, is the only. Medicare Advantage plan in Brevard County for 15 years. Right. So they built a pretty huge, uh, I know at one time they had over 70,000 Medicare lives just in one county. Yeah. but It's probably larger than that now. But this is a nationwide, this chart we're looking at is nationwide. Yeah. So, I mean, that that makes them, uh, that means that the areas that they cover probably have a high percentage of these special needs patients. So Which which makes sense when you look at the age of the population and, and the retirement status yep. you know yep. here in some of these yep. counties so it kind but, of But you know out. you hit on something earlier about uh, Medicaid you know while the SNFs fall under the Medicare Advantage umbrella they're distinct from other Medicare Advantage offerings because they require both joint federal and state funding right. and oversight okay. so you were correct about yep. that Dr. Mark Yeah so yeah. in some states I I'd, I'd imagine that they avoid avoid that market completely yep. uh, whereas like in a state like yep. Florida we have covered our Medicaid costs we typically, you know, in states yes. like Nevada, they uh, right. they not just occasionally, but pretty often, run out of funds before yeah. the year 
flips by. And so I'm thinking those are just bad risk yeah. states. And, you know, I misspoke a minute ago. I yeah, said I 50%. Mm-hmm. Actually, 75% of these special needs plans are controlled by these four large Medicare Advantage players. Gotcha. Wow. Four plans, 75% of this 4 million lives. Hmm. Yeah, so it's a, it's a special area. It probably takes the. I, I want. I mean, you'd have to sit in the boardroom yep. to talk to these companies yep. and say, "Well, why are you even interested in this?" And I'm sure the first answer is, "Oh, we feel like we're doing a good thing for the yep. market." But the reality's got to be they've got a special sauce to figure yep. out how to manage right. these patients. Well, if you recall the growth that Centene's seen over the last few years, a lot oh, yes. of this is due to Centene. Yes, yes, you know, and and their growth in the dual. Well, and we talk about growth with Centene. We also look at profit for Centene. I mean, I mean, it's definitely. Yeah, we went through that. I think a few weeks ago. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Well, anything more on this this group, or should we move on? The other thing, we'll move on. But let me just mention one more thing. When you talk about CVS and Aetna, right? Aetna actually under the CVS umbrella was the fastest growing of the dual eligibles of all of these plans out Hmm. there. So I thought that was interesting. Yet they're not in the top four or five. Yeah, well, I, it'd be it'd be good yeah. to track that year over year because you're going to see there must be there must be something special yeah. there for sure. Yeah. I mean, because we're looking at a company with with great profits that we've been chatting about, and you know, if they're if they're in this market, it's not a it's not a dog market. You know, they're not right. they're not making the mistake. Right. Very, yeah. Very good. All right. Well, we do uh, have one more quick thing I think we can cover. Uh, CMS has proposed five Medicare special enrollment periods. Yeah, this and, is interesting. Yeah, it is, it is yeah. interesting because, well, you've got, got to go over what, what the current state of events are for Correct. Medicare enrollment. Yeah. Currently, from October 15th to December 7th is what they call their annual enrollment period, annual right. election period. And we start and it, talking about that well ahead of time. Usually and kind about of July yeah, and August. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll bring in the... The brokers and agents right. and some of the plans talk themselves to, them. to talk about them. And we'll do that again this year, too. Yeah, that was very helpful, I think. Yeah. Remember, we had the Cigna Medicare people in yep. here. Absolutely. Last time. But, you you know, you've got that open enrollment period, and they actually start marketing about October 1st. Mm-hmm. They start their uh, – When they start going start out there. Start all the and, mailing and, and the – say, give, it, give us a call, September, and we'll counsel September. you, yeah. and we'll direct you to where you need yeah. to be. And the benefits change a little mm-hmm. bit, and they tweak their benefits – and those kind of things. But again, it has to be closed by December 7th mm-hmm. so that Medicare has three weeks to be those effective January one new, new enrollees. Right. Right. So, th- so that's the way, that's the state of affair unless somebody at now, CMS extends right, it or does right, something different. Right. So, so now, now they've come forward and yep, said that ahead. there's mm-hmm. five more areas that they yes. want to focus on yes. to extend that. And so basically these are going to be based upon particular needs that the individual might qualify for to be involved in those five. You're right. Specific illnesses or circumstances that would allow them to sign up for Medicare outside this normal enrollment period that we're talking about, Dr. Right. So exceptional conditions. Mm -hmm. So are they new periods? I mean, what I'm looking, I'm trying to scan through this. And say, are they new periods? Or if you just qualify, you yeah. reach out to yeah. C- uh, your CMS provider and say, okay, this is what's going yeah. on. It's That's exactly what it is. In other words, let's say that uh, you didn't sign up for Medicare, right. yet you became eligible during the year and you weren't in the enrollment period and your employer drops you. Right. So that would be an that extenuating would be an circumstance. Extenuating, that would be a special 
special circumstance. Yeah. So it's yeah. really not the period that is changing. It's their just special yeah. enrollment yeah. conditions. Now, what if you're yeah. uh, medi- you're on Medicaid and you be you're no longer eligible for Medicaid, but you might be Medicaid? That's also a special That's all enrollment. In there? Okay. But let me go back and summarize this real quick. Sure. We talked about one of the plans making a billion dollars in profit in the first quarter. Uh-huh. We talked about all these increases, and yet now they want to expand the enrollment so they can get more lives in this program, Dr. Mark. All a a road worth traveling. Is that a business model that makes sense? It is, it is. (laughs) When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about hospital consolidation, see if we can get some new interesting topic going forward. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is BehindHealthCareNow.com. That's BehindHealthCareNow.com. Be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. Due to popular demand, Healthcare Now is also airing on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Join me, Larry Jones, and Dr. Mark on Healthcare Now, Thursdays at 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, and at TheAnswerOrlando.com. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Hey, this is Dr. Mark. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you are listening to Healthcare Now, and I hear, I'm here with uh, my co-host, Larry Jones. Before we talk about hospital consolidation, I mean, kind of recap, that was, that was yep. a good good half a show on Medicare. It was. A lot of information, yep. um, maybe some good news, and that I think the last piece is good news for people yep. who have extenuating circumstances. They can yes. still get enrolled. Yes. And, you know, that's always been a question that we've asked on all of these enrollment periods, mm-hmm. that why – are there enrollment periods? Why can't the system allow for like an open enrollment yep. on throughout all the company, everything? And I, and I get that yep. there's it's there about government funding and budgeting, right? Right on the government about. side. But yeah. it's the same yep. thing when you look at the uh, ACA. It's the same thing that's if you correct. look at yep. in any company that's not the in ACA a, if you're has not a in special a special enrollment period right. too. Yeah. And but then if you go, if you are lucky enough to be hired by a large company. And you you come on in April, you got 30 days and you're in. That's right. So That's they right. have the capacity to do so, but I, I just you know it's it's yeah. outside of the government funding. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested, you know, why yeah. why is it even an issue? Well, you know, I think it's the, the I think the topic of discussion and debate today on this whole thing, Doctor Mark, is we know that the Medicare trust fund, and we've been through yeah. all the the, the trouble per, parameters of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be insolvent by 2026 right. unless there are some drastic changes. actions and yeah. changes. And I think that our legislature is trying to make these changes. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, they're not focusing on where the big change happens. No, they're doing little things, it's little like sound the bites. It's things that yeah. don't matter. Yeah. No, I, I mean, there's just yeah. not a big enough body of support. Right. And I think it goes back to – I don't disagree that – what is broken in healthcare might need a fix with a hammer instead of a scalpel. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but 
At the same time, you know, I think that's that has motivated a lot of people to not look at the big picture and not take yep. too much away and say, well, if we tweak this and tweak that, the the issues that we have financially in healthcare are too big for tweaks. Yes. And until for I minor mean, changes. Yeah, so so yep. the idea yep. will be just like the budget goes to the the nth hour right. time after time right. i think they're going to let medicare crash well i think and, and i think there's a couple out. things that's going to happen either the medicare reimbursement to providers is going to go down and no if doubt. you recall the budget if it stayed like it was in 2024 you would be paid 81% of what you're being paid today you would take a 19 19% cut yeah but also i think the whole issue is that when people become age 65, they age in. I think you're going to see changes to that age-in process, too. Make it 67. Maybe 66, 67, maybe even 68. Yep. Well, you, you can't – the the nibbling away at it is cutting provider pay because they only that's account right. for about 11% of the bill anyway. That's right. Right? That's so you're right. not really going to save – you're not no. going to save the system – and in, in 2026, if you do that in 2025, yeah. and this is going to go right down yeah. to 2025. Without a doubt. And so they're yeah. going to have to do something drastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is, I think it's worth pointing out that this hasn't happened before. No. Not since Medicare became an, an entity. In 1965. So, yeah. so yeah. the money the money has lasted this long, and we're, we're going to... Yeah. We're going to jack it up by waiting until the last minute yeah. and having some fix, which hopefully will be something something yeah. better. For our listeners, Medicare came into existence under the Lyndon Johnson administration right. in 1965. Yep. yep. And today, if you are a 65-year-old and uh, you are on a fixed income, Medicare with a supplement is the best insurance you could possibly buy. Oh, if you if you it's like anything else. If you got yeah. in early. Yeah, you did it. Yeah. You did a good job. And the Plan F grandfathered in. But but what happens if you're fortunate enough to live to 2026? Yeah. I mean that's yeah. the that's the and uh, you're seeing more and more people today going to live to be 100. Yep, that's that's what they tell us. Yeah. That's what they tell us. In fact, uh, it's interesting. One of our nurses, Doctor Mark, uh-huh. her grandmother just passed away this past week at 102. 102. Wow. 102. Wow. Amazing. 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 Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, Medi- Medicare sucked us in for another couple of minutes. Yep. So let's uh, let's change things up, Larry. Okay. Where you at? Well, you know, ninety three percent of Americans say that their health care is not worth what it costs. Doctor Mark. Yeah, it doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. Doesn't not surprise at all. me at all. You know, anytime anybody goes to have anything done in the health care system, whether they pay for it, the insurance pays for it. You know, part of the deductible, not part of the deductible. It never seems. I mean, I'm the right. same way. Of course. You know, I mean, it never seems to 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 be worth its while. And right. it's all it's all a level of perspective, though, right? It is. I mean, I think I think I mentioned how one of my boys had a nice laceration on his leg, and I was out of town, and right. he went to the emergency room, got it all set up, and I think all said and done, we're at fourteen hundred dollars for that uh, yep. couple hour visit. Yep. Yep. And you know what are you gonna what are you gonna do? What are you I gonna mean, do? I mean, yep. what's the value? Yep. Now I look at it like, well, I could have done it in the kitchen, but that's that's me, you know. But what's the value of that service? I had a uh, friend the several couple of years ago took their nine year old son to an urgent care center here in Central Florida, and he had uh, he was playing baseball and he busted his scalp open somehow. I'm not sure how. And so they came in, took him in there. They put a butterfly bandage on his wound so it would heal uh-huh. and when they got the eob the explanation of benefits they called it surgery and build them for it nice nice that <laughs> that is that is some high level that's coding some high there. level surgery isn't that's it? high level coding <laughs> yeah co- coding is where it's at yeah. the uh 
the the people that should be paid the most in healthcare are definitely the coders. Yeah. yeah. But you know, aside from the ninety three people that feel ninety three percent of the Americans that feel what they pay is not worth it, let me break that down a little bit. It's estimated that forty four percent or one hundred and twelve million Americans of our population are struggling to pay for health care. Sure. And worse than that's half of the total people that say that it's not worth it. But these 44% or 112 million are having to ration their care because they can't afford it. Yeah. But they, well, and again, that, that is a, a bit of attitude. I would, I would argue that the vast majority of people who feel like, you know, it's not worth what I pay are paying and you know that they're seeing the money they're using the healthcare system because if you avoid use of the healthcare yep. system you don't really get a feel for what it's paid that's pays right. for that's right. and it, and if you're have a government prod, a product that's covering you you don't even pay attention to that so it's folks that are paying out for their insurance their monthly premiums because monthly right. premiums right. have skyrocketed and they're $2200 a month for a family of 4 yep yep that's commercial right that's yeah. commercial. Yeah. So, so if you've yeah. got to go out and, and shop for your own, yeah. so that's, that's what you're paying per month. Yeah. And the idea is you only win if you don't need to use it. Right. 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 So, so it's, it's insurance coverage. It's not payment for healthcare. That's right. It's actually just, it's a yeah. risk yeah. coverage. But let me, let me break that down. Well, well they did this survey and it, and by the way, this survey was done by uh, innovate healthcare and uh, and economics, it was a West Health Gallup Healthcare Accountability and Affordability Survey, okay. which is and you know Gallup's pretty sure. good. Yep. So it's pretty good. But when you break it down, according to this uh, survey, thirty six percent of Americans are what they call cost insecure, mm-hmm. while eight percent are what they call cost desperate, wow. and fifty six percent are cost secure. Got it. So Got it. you're looking at 44%, which is what we talked about. Half of America is what they either cost insecure or cost or desperate. desperate, Dr. Yep. Mark. Yep. So, yeah, nearly yep. half. Yep. Yeah, nearly half. Man. Yeah, no, that's 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 frightening. I mean, that's kind of reminds me of some of the discussions we have about yep. about food source and whether right. they're, they're, they're food insecurity. Exactly. And it, it lines up. So it lines you up perfectly. A food, yep. your health care, yep. you can't. Yep. I mean, there's sort of levels of coverage is one of the first yeah. things people do give up is going to be their health care coverage. That's right. Right. And they that's just right. pray that they, they can't don't give up food. It. Well, you right. know, the, and well, they do, they, they sacrifice. They don't, I yeah. mean, that's not on and their list. The of things. three main financial challenges that it talked about was inability to pay for net needed medical treatment mm-hmm. over the prior three months, skipped prescription medication. And let's talk about that for a minute. We talked about that a we week have ago. Yeah. 50% of every prescription that is actually gotten in this country is not taken. Sure. You know that, Dr. Yeah. Mark, you're a physician. And you know, one of the issues Yet the system is paying for those drugs. So yeah, some of them. Some of them yeah. are being paid yeah. for. And right. we talked about Publix no longer doing some of the free antibiotics they've right. been doing for right. years. And you know, that's going to play in. But one of the issues that we have is you go in to see your doctor and you get a prescription and the doctor has been exposed to the idea, okay, this is a really good drug to treat this condition, right, right. and they write for it. And we don't know until you get to your pharmacy that your insurance isn't going to cover it or it has a high copay, right? right? So when that occurs, you got a couple of choices. One is yep. to just pay. 
two is to reach back out to your physician. But now the way the statute is set up, we're not supposed to write prescription anymore. We're supposed to do them through an electronic medical record. E-prescribing, yeah. So, so now the idea of are you going to have the availability to have access to that e-prescription, right? right? And or three, what are you going to do? You're or going even, to walk away. Or you even going to fill it. Yeah, or you're going yeah, to fill it. Yeah. But if you're standing there in front of the, you know, and, and we've said if somebody's faced with a $25 copay, they're likely to walk away and, and not get that medication. if it goes up ten dollars, twenty five percent of yeah. people won't pick it up. Yeah. So we've already been. So I mean, steps. that's that's yeah. a challenge that's going to be really hard to beat because you can't expect the patient, the client, to understand. Yeah. Well, because yeah. there are a lot of medications that that we may say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna try out on this. Right. Well, that doesn't instill a lot yeah. of confidence that this pill is going to make much difference right. in my life. That's right. You're and, talking more like step therapy. Is that yeah. kind of what you're talking well, about? Well, the, well yeah. just the idea of how do we know it, it's it's really right. going to be important. Right. And there have been times in all of our exposure to healthcare that we may have gotten a medication yeah. that really didn't seem to make a difference. Right. Or we didn't, you know, blood right. pressure medicine is a great example because you don't feel the blood pressure medicine working. Exactly. Right. It's not that's a right. pain medication. That's you know? right. And so that that's an issue. They're like, well, I feel fine. My doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. Says I have high blood pressure. I right. don't think I do. I until feel fine. Until you start feeling dizzy, right? Yeah. You know, until yeah. you have the sequelae of a, of a right. high blood That's pressure. Right. That's right. And I mean, and that that is the issue. The access is there. Yeah. The diagnosis is there. The understanding is lacking for understandable reasons. Right. But the challenge of seeing a little increase in cost when you get to the pharmacy is going to keep you from yeah. being treated. Yeah. So, what's the end result to the healthcare system? When that happens, it's going to end up in more cost in an acute care environment yeah, at the end of the day. The ER. That's right. Right. That's right. So focusing on those little issues will save more lives yep. and money than than any of this stuff. And the idea that that 93 percent of people basically they're saying I'm not getting what I pay. Yep. I'm paying. Right. Or it's not right. worth it to me. Right. That's that's really some awful, yep. awful marketing. That's terrible. And. and who fixes that? Well, not only that, the tough choices, it's how do you cut back on your utilities? You can't. You pay your utility bills. Right. How do you cut back on your food? You can't. You got to eat. Yep. And so you cut back on your drugs and your health care, and then the end result is your outcomes are going to be even worse, Dr. Mark. Yeah, and, and your the expenditure to the system is going yeah. to be even worse. Yeah. You know, Larry, that, that was great. That was great. I mean, we talked a little bit more. I think we tied the final knot in Medicare for the day. We did. And then just listening to, to how people value what they pay for, you know, when they when they actually pay for things in, in yeah. health care. And that can be just their insurance. And, right. and the vast, vast, vast majority don't think they get what they're, yeah. they're paid for. So when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what primary care is going to look like in the future. And also hospital consolidation. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is behindhealthcarenow.com. That's behindhealthcarenow.com. Be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. 
Take the answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and you are listening to Healthcare Now. We just finished up a great discussion about how we're not getting what we're uh, paying for in healthcare, or at least 93% of the population the feels that way. The perception is. I can, right. You know, I can't argue it. I think I can see where that comes from. Perception is reality, yeah. Dr. Mark. Yeah, so <laughs> let's let's jump and talk a little bit about hospitals, yeah. and I'm going to throw out some some numbers. So the American Hospital Association represents 5,000 hospitals in the United States. So right. Give or take, okay, that's that's about the number of hospitals, 5,000 mm-hmm. in the U.S. 350 have changed hands through acquisition or sale to a larger group between 2016 and 2021. In so the last five years. And, and if you look in the last year, the number that have gone out of business or done this is, is yep. a large yep. pocket yep. of that. So Absolutely. 2022's numbers are going are gonna to be shocking. Yep. I mean, I, re- I really believe that. Well, it actually, Dr. Mark, in the last 10 years, 1,100 hospitals in America have closed. Closed down. Closed down. Yeah. 1,100 hospitals. It, you know, there's a lot of question that comes to mind when you say that because are they being, and I, I think the answer is they're being squeezed out by, by bigger players, right? It's just, yeah, exactly. it's, I mean, look at convenience stores. Right. Okay. I right. mean, you can pick any, I don't want to say any, but lots of industries. Yeah. There aren't any mom and pop convenience stores yeah. out or, there. Or anymore, jump up, they? jump up love from convenience to grocery stores, yeah. jump up yeah. from, you know, clothiers. I right. mean, all, right. all the businesses are seeing. So is it a surprise that the hospitals are being bought up? Not really. I mean, why do they do it? I mean, they, they, it's always thinking about a better mousetrap. Right. And most of the time, the hospitals that are purchased are in some level of distress. That's right. And other times they're doing okay, and then they go on a, like a, basically an auction block to right. to decide who's going to buy them. Exactly, and you know it's interesting. You know the state that had the most highest rate of hospital ownership changes is it Florida, South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, out I mean, of the got... seventy three hospitals, fourteen changed ownership during this last five years. Interesting. So it's a percentage game. It's yeah. almost twenty yeah. percent. Twenty percent. Yeah. Well, we were talking at the break how if we're what we're talking about here is the independent hospitals are becoming extinct. Exactly. And 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 it's not a big shock. And we couldn't name more than two independent hospitals in Florida. I'm sure there are, and listeners can can chime in on uh, on the independent hospitals they yep. know about. But so, I would I would I, I would, can only think of one, Doctor Mark, yeah. and that's Jupiter Medical Center is still independent. Yeah, yeah. And they've been tried to be purchased by everybody and their brother in the last ten years. And it does work like in Brevard yeah. County there were several and now they're none. They're all um, steward they're now. All steward yep. and, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, health first. Health first. Yep. 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 So and even some of the smaller groups that were there got got brought into one of those two yeah, groups. Yeah, Wustoff was independent. Was they had two hospitals yep. and then they built uh yeah, they had two hospitals, yep. one in Melbourne, one in Rockledge. So yep. so you know, that's just on our little neck of the woods, yep. but going throughout the country. And it makes me curious as to if there are any areas, any pockets where there aren't a lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know, HCA's just got north of 100 and, 170 hospitals now, I think, 160-something. Something, yeah. something like yeah, that, yeah. 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 So, yeah. so that it, it is. It's, it keeps on 
going in that direction. And the idea is there's some economy of scale, uh, but yes. the reality becomes, you know, we need to see how these folks are operating. Because if you look into what we do, Larry, if you look into the physician groups that we deal with, yep. we did see those trends where the yep. acquisition of yep. independent physicians by groups, be they private equity or hospitals, has been kind of the tune of the day. But we're also looking at yeah. outcome data right. that shows that maybe that's not a great thing for outcomes. Right. But but on this side, we don't really have any information because who controls all the data? Yeah, I mean, I think it's okay. I think it's going to be hard. Well, there were pressed. well there were a couple of things during the pandemic. Believe it or not, some of the smaller hospitals were purchased by the larger systems. For the specific reason is they were able to access personal protective equipment, ventilators, and staff that were not available to them as a small hospital. Well, sure, and in small hospitals, yeah, there were yeah. the small hospitals were the stories that were hitting the news where they'd have a an outbreak in in a particular town, and their ICUs, you know, the smaller hospitals have small ICUs, yeah. Yeah. would be full in a day, and they they really got into trouble. Their budgets aren't based on doing a lot of free care and having lots of ER visits, and and that, that was going to crush yeah, them. Yeah. So, so that was a lot of the closures as well, right? Well, I according mean, to this advisory group, and you know, we always yeah, talk about their absolutely. surveys are so good. It says without being part of a larger system, smaller hospitals will face closures or bankruptcies because of the inability to absorb large and permanent labor costs, recruit the future workforce and clinicians, and treat an aging population. And part of that's contracting. Yes. Part of that is on Absolutely. the front side. If they're going to sit down yep. with uh, any of the big commercial insurers, yep. they really don't have any strength to negotiate because somewhere down the road, there's a hospital that has a lot of strength because they have a lot right. of hospital right. beds, and they can put the yep. screws to these commercial agents and say, uh, now we're, we're not going to right. pay that level. So, so you're paying yep. more. The hospital's paying more. And That's if right. you're not in network, you're paying more. And the payers always not only we're you know we've talked about CMS and uh-huh. Medicare and Medicaid, but the the private payers they always lean towards the hospitals and make sure they give them what they want to keep them in network. The big hospitals, the big hospitals, the big, hospitals. big systems. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to have much yeah. interest in the small hospitals unless right. they're the only game in town. That's exactly right. And and those hospitals are probably doing quite well, and they'll yep. be bought up. Because they're doing yeah. quite well. And yeah. then they can become part of a much larger system right. and get even better contracts. And then, and then there's another piece of this too, Dr. Mark, that I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Aside from hospital consolidation, a majority of health, large health systems also own skilled nursing facilities. Right, yes. And between this same period of 16 to 21, when these 350 hospitals change hands, 3,236 Nursing homes changed hands. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So each one That's of them, a lot. a lot of them were probably connected. Yeah. They're connected to the health system. I tell you, it's a yeah. strange and scary time to be part of a part of a nursing home. I'll tell no you that. Question. So. No question. Well, we did say we we're going to talk a little bit about primary care yes. and what it's going to look like in the future. And I, I haven't read this one, so I'm going to let you carry yep. us through it. But I know that we've made predictions in the past on what yep. we think it'll look like. And I wonder how close we've yep. come to uh, to the opinion here. If we're far off, I'm just going to disagree with their opinion. I no, guess. it's fine. It's well, good. <laughs> primary care, obviously, is the new king of health care being – and we used to call it gatekeeper years ago. You remember yeah, that? Yeah, I was going to say Mark. it's not so much new. Yep. 
I mean, that's that's where uh, all the HMOs came from, yeah. was the idea that primary care yeah. was the king. Right. And, and, of course, during the pandemic, telehealth, telemedicine mm-hmm. improved the services of primary care dramatically. Yes. Uh, in fact, telehealth increased 78% during the pandemic, mainly due to primary care. Yes. And yep. now it's leveled off at about 21% is primary care. And, and I suspect it's going gonna, it's gonna to hold. I think so. I think so. But, you know, primary care today is being asked to do more and more, Dr. Mark, for less, for less reimbursement. Right. I mean, the only you, way they're keeping the that. lights on yeah. is to see more patients. Yeah, you want to talk about that for a minute? As well, a I mean, physician? that's been the challenge. Yeah. I think if you go back a few, more than a few decades, mm-hmm. but when you went to, uh, you talked to your parents about what their primary care doctor's experience was, and they were able to come in, sit down, have a full exam, yep. full discussion, yep. and and then some. Whereas now, one of the biggest complaints that patients have about their physicians is they don't spend enough time with me. Exactly. And there's a balance there. Or it's a nurse practitioner or a PA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they, they may come in and they're going to say, because just like we said in the last segment, if 93% of the folks don't think they're getting what they pay for yeah. and they're paying – $2,200 a month to cover their family of four, and they walk in to go yes. see their primary care physician, and, and he or she walks in and spends less than five minutes with them. They do those calculations, and they're like, man, this guy is making bank on me. Yep. His dollarly yep. salary must be huge. But the reality is is the reimbursement for that visit makes it very difficult yep. to keep your business going forward. Well, if you remember, we talked last week about a, that patient that called in on their bill and if you recall, they had a their annual visit was set up with their PCP, and a week before the visit, it was changed to a nurse practitioner. Right. Remember that? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And and, and that's you're going to see be, more and more of that. Right. And that's one of the predictors that we've discussed. And that's actually a piece that may make some sense. Um, I mean, I think that yeah. if we continue to train these physician extenders, as they sometimes don't like to be called, right. but if we continue to yep. train them. In the right way, they're the perfect spot for this primary care, folks, because to right. be fair, their their training brings them to the market with less debt. Right. They spend less time in school, and so right. their, their salaries are going to be less. Yep. And so they can literally keep the doors More open by seeing yep. fewer patients. And so the reality, again, is yep. that they may become exactly who you want to see right. because they can chat. Right. You know, they can talk to you, and yep. they can – hear what you need to say and you walk out of there feeling like you were examined, sure. heard, and and you're more trusting in the care that they're going to deliver. Exactly. Well, you know, under value-based care, the PCP becomes the hub in the transformation of coordination of care. Mm-hmm. And, and there's been two big hurdles that uh, has come into play here. And it's the physical limitations of the patient and the accessibility of actionable integrated data when it comes to the PCP, Dr. Mark. Tell me about that. Okay. You know, we talk about EMR systems. Right. We talk about how they don't uh, talk to each other. Specialist uh, information that mm-hmm. never gets back to the PCP yep, yep. where you're not looking at a complete patient record. Now I'm going to tell you right you now. You can talk about that yeah, forever. The primary care folks, independent physicians have to stand up and figure this out today because the one piece that the hospital is going to be selling all day long is if you work for us, you have our EMR and you have our information. Yep. And if we keep everything in a market, 
it's all right there. You even and, have the pings of where the patient shows up. Oh, absolutely. So great yeah. communication. Yeah. Yeah. So that needs to be and has been duplicated in independent yeah. groups and in private equity groups. But I would say, you know, the hospitals spend hundreds of millions of dollars to convert to products for EMR yes. and that they tout patient safety, improved outcomes and improved communication as the yeah. as paying those bills because right. they're not going to spend that money just for giggles. Right. They, they need to make sure they're going to get it back. And that's, that's right. how they intend to get it back. That's right. All good. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it's that. It's all good. But at the same time, you have a you have cities that have more than one hospital system. And those cities don't communicate. That's That's been recognized recently. Without a doubt. And there are now products that do start to cross the gap. But I'm just saying, if your primary care physician doesn't wake up and see that that they've got to be able to share information. And control that data. Right, which is something that we've pushed for in our organization for years. We talk about this data data ecosystem. It's really about primary care being the hub. Let's just summarize. And making sure that if you have x-ray lab uh, anything with any specialist, it gets back to your primary care coach so he can be the care coordinator right. of your total care, Dr. Work. Communication right. is communication is going to take that 93% rate yep. way down because if we can yes. spend a little more time, it's not even just the time. If we can spend quality time and give information to our patients, make patient portals easy to access, we're going to do a good job. Larry, that was a great show today. Great Thanks show. for being with us, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. On Healthcare Now. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com